Taking on the Democratic establishment. Hello, everybody, welcome to the conversation. I'm David Schuster. There are some fascinating political battles, Democratic primaries that are shaping up, including one now in Wisconsin. It features, well, our guest, Tom Nelson. He's a longtime member of the State Assembly. He is the county executive of Outagami, Wisconsin, and he's the most progressive in this race. Tom, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. First of all, you started doing this 16 months ago. Yes, so October 26 of 2000, I think we were the first Senate candidate to get in. We got in because I had a sneaking suspicion that Ron Johnson, my neighbor to the south by 20 minutes, was gonna run for reelection despite telling people, telling voters that he was only gonna serve two terms. And I got in because someone had to hold this fellow accountable from day one. And that's part of what this campaign's been doing for the last 16 months. Now he is, of course, has decided that he is going to run. Uh, there's uh, some, by some estimates, something like 40% of the electorate in Wisconsin will include um, people who essentially live in what would be called factory towns. There are a lot mm-hmm. of uh, moderate, sometimes centrist workers, sometimes white voters who voted for Donald Trump. What is your appeal to them? Well, I'm the only one who comes from a red part of the state, and I've won elections six times. Three as a legislator and three as a county executive. And as county executive, I've worked very, very closely with paper mill workers, union workers, and so forth. In fact, I grew up. I grew up on a blue collar neighborhood in Little Chute, Wisconsin. And so all the dads there were paper workers, except for my dad, he was a Lutheran pastor. So I like to say he wore the white collar. As county executive, I stood up and I fought for those workers. I helped save a paper mill in combined locks across from where I grew up because I teamed up with the labor union to take on a big bank, a scrap dealer. We brought this mill back to life and we were able to save 300 jobs. And I did it and we recounted in this great book that I, that I re- re- released last year called One Day Stronger. And it's a testament to how you can get together, you can get local government workers, small business together, you can take control of your fate and save mills. Just like the factory towns, just like these communities all over Wisconsin, all over the country where you've seen all this manufacturing loss. And part of the reason why we've lost those jobs and why Democrats have lost those votes is because the Democratic Party has failed to stand up for the paper mill workers in places like Outagamie County and around the state and around the country. And that is the secret. That is the secret to govern well, and that's also the secret to win this US Senate race. You have to have someone who has had the experience, a track record of taking on Republicans in their backyard and winning not once, not twice, but six times and doing it by taking up the cause and champion manufacturing workers and labor workers. It does seem over the last couple of decades that the union rights have taken a beating thanks to Wisconsin Republicans. Is that starting to swing back around? I think so. I think it's been taken as well. I mean, you know, you know, Wisconsin here, we were at the epicenter. I mean, this was where Act 10 happened 11 years ago, 11 years ago this month. And that was the beginning of the downfall of the labor movement in Wisconsin and other places around the country. But we're beginning to see a resurgence. We're seeing a resurgence here in Wisconsin and all over the country, whether it's the Starbucks workers, um, you know, there's you know, there's a number of people that are taking control of their own fate, and it has this momentum. And so so you're seeing what's happening today as a bookend to what happened here in Wisconsin 10 years ago. And I see that not just in other parts of the state though, but around Adegami County and around our state too. And I think it bodes very well. And this is one example of how the politicians are not keeping up with the people. The people are ahead of us. We know that the uh, that a majority of workers want to be in a union, that they're organizing. 
that they're taking upon themselves to do it. It's the politicians, elected officials that have to get into Washington to pass the PRO Act, to crack, to get rid of Taft-Hartley, to make sure that every single worker has the right to organize. That is the missing piece. And Wisconsin is gonna be an important race because this is where control of the US Senate will be decided. And you have to have a real progressive, a real progressive who has gotten elected in a tough part of the state and has done it six times and someone that workers can count on because they've been there for them before. The argument from the more centrist Democrats and probably even from the Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes, who is, I suppose, perhaps the front runner in the Democratic primary, the argument is, oh no, you have to be more centrist in order to appeal to some of these Republicans. What's your best case against your fellow Democrat Mandela Barnes? I mean, that's just lazy. That is just absolutely lazy. And and I'll tell you what, how I stand aside, I'm not only am I the progressive candidate, but I'm the only one who's gotten elected and reelected six times and in a tough part of the state. If you want to win Wisconsin, you have to do well in Outagamie County. And I've been winning elections here, left and right, for the last 17 years. The whole issue about how you have to be a moderate, how you have to be a centrist. No, Democrats cannot be lazy. All you have to do is know how to talk about progressive values, not just with Democrats, but with independents and lean Republicans. And that's what I've been doing for the last 17 years of my life. The only way I could get elected as a progressive in a Republican county, which by the way was Joe McCarthy's old county, is if I can work well with Republicans and be able to do this and pass a progressive agenda. I've done it as a legislator, I've done it as county executive, and I think I can do it as a US Senator. Speaking of talking about these progressive issues, you support Medicare for all, Green New Deal, union rights, taxing the rich, voting rights. Which one of these is your priority and how do you explain it to voters? That's really tough. You know, I look at three things. I, I look at economic security, health security, and climate change. I like to say that, you know, we need to have access to, to good jobs, a strong economy. But what good is economic security if you don't have health security? We need universal health care. We need Medicare for all. And what good is health security and a good job if you don't have a planet? We need a Green New Deal. And Wisconsin's well positioned because this is the birthplace of the modern day environmental movement, and we're also one of the largest manufacturing states in the country. We are well positioned to lead on a Green New Deal because we do it by forging a blue-green coalition of labor and the environment together. Because in order to achieve a Green New Deal, we have to retool the economy. The only way to retool the economy is if we do it with new jobs, good union jobs. Some of the political reporters in Wisconsin have suggested, despite your background, which looks pretty slick to me, pretty sharp, that you are the non-slick candidate in the Democratic race. You had an ad apparently in which you were having a garage sale to raise money for your campaign. Um, how does that play? I think this is what I think. This is the candidacy, and I believe I'm the candidate that Wisconsinites love. I mean, you know, you know, they have they have supported underdogs before, people like Bill Proxmire way back, people like Russ Fungold, folks that didn't have money. They weren't a millionaire, they weren't a billionaire, they didn't have have a lot of name recognition, but they were reflected Wisconsin values. I mean, my experience is their experience. I grew up in a blue-collar neighborhood in a small town of Little Shoot. I understand the needs of working families. You know, I am who I am. I don't need to, you know, pretend and and I think people like that. And it also goes back to the point about being a moderate or being a centrist or being being a progressive. People just want someone who is consistent and who is genuine. And I like to project that. And that's also my my opponent Mandela Barnes. He's saying one thing before he runs for the for lieutenant governor and now he's saying a different thing. And I'll tell you what, just like you can't kid a just like you can't kid a kidder, you cannot fool a voter. 
And that's gonna be a problem. What specifically did he say before as Lieutenant Governor that he's now flip-flopped on? Well, he's been talking about how Medicare for all is important, the Green New Deal is important. Now you can't get him to say those words at all. Um, he seemed like he was for defunding the police, and now he says he's not for defunding the police. He wanted to abolish ICE, now, now he doesn't want to. It. I think he's just confused. I think he's entirely confused. And I'll tell you what, this is for all the marbles. This is for all the marbles. Democrats have got to get this election right. If Wisconsin, if, if Democrats don't win Wisconsin, we won't keep the US Senate. You need to have someone who knows where they stand, who is consistent, who has a track record, who has won in tough years and in tough parts of the state. I've done that six times. And part, of the track record, part of the track record of the Republican incumbent Ron Johnson have been his strange and I would say dangerous positions on COVID-19, on vaccines, on health. And yet in Outagami County where you are, your county is what AAA rated, has, has fared the best perhaps in the state. Um, how important is that contrast? And what are you hearing from Wisconsin voters about that competency in terms of managing this epidemic? Yeah, I mean, I win that argument hands down. I mean, uh, you know, because of Ron Johnson, because of Donald Trump, there was no leadership from Washington in 2020. Because of the Republican legislature here in Wisconsin, the governor, Governor Evers, has not been able to follow through on basic things to keep us safe. And so it's fallen to local officials, it's fallen to county officials, uh, mayors, county executives, healthcare um, officials who've been on the front lines fighting the pandemic. That's what we've, we've, uh, what we've, been doing. We've had to set up our own vaccination clinics, our own testing clinics. We've been able to do that. And we've been able to do that while maintaining a AAA bond rating. We've had a declining tax rate for the last six years, fully funded all our services, fully funded all our public services. I have um, I have an international airport that's worth $700 million of economic activity, help save a paper mill. We have done a lot of really good things here in Outagamie County. And one thing you have to get from voters is you have to get their trust and you have to get the confidence. And a big reason why I believe I keep on getting returned as county executive because I've shown, I've shown voters that I can govern responsibly, I can get results. And here we are, we have a lot of great things to be proud of. The primary is in August in Wisconsin. Take us through what the campaign looks like between now and then. And are you optimistic that regardless of who wins the Democratic primary, that the Democrats will unify to beat Ron Johnson in the fall? You know, people ask me, so if you don't get the nomination, will you support the will you support the nominee? And my answer is I will work twice as hard. Hmm. And one of the reasons why I will work twice as hard, and I've said this again and again, and this is a big reason why I got into this race 16 months ago, is I think that there are clear differences. There are very clear differences among the candidates. And there are some of us who are well positioned to win in November against Ron Johnson, and some of us who are not. And so if I don't get the nomination, I'm gonna do everything I can to get the nomination. I believe some of these other folks may not be well, they may not be well positioned. And so I will have to work that much more harder. But I am committed to do whatever it takes to make sure that this seat goes blue. And in the meantime, you're going, I suppose, to every town and every county in Wisconsin. Retail politics is pretty important there. Yep, and last year we are the, I mean, we are the 72 county campaign. And so last year I did a 72 county listing session tour, did it in 43 days. <laughs> and so this is the grassroots campaign. This is the people's campaign and we're gonna continue to get out there, get our message out there, meet as many folks as possible, talk as many folks as possible, not just Democrats, Republicans and Democrats. That's a winning formula. Well, Tom, good luck to you. It is a fascinating race to watch. Tom Nelson, he is the chief executive of Outer 
County, Wisconsin. Uh, he is the progressive in the Democratic primary, which is August the 9th. Winner takes on Ron Johnson in the fall. Uh, Tom, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Good to be on. Thank you, sir. You got it. Barack Obama's congressional district. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the conversation. I'm David Schuster. As we continue to look at some of these 2022 Democratic primaries and races for the general election in November, there's a fascinating battle shaping up on Chicago's South Side, Illinois' first congressional district, the home to Barack Obama. This is the seat where Bobby Rush, a veteran Democratic congressman, is retiring. And one of the progressives who is running to replace him is Reverend Dr. Stephanie Rose Spaulding. She is a pastor, author, activist, and organizer. And she joins us now, Dr. Spaulding, good of you to be with us. First of all, why are you in the race? What what motivated you to do this? Thank you, David. I am grateful to be here and I'm grateful to be in this race. I am here because community asked of me to be in this race. My family has lived in this district for multiple generations. It's where I grew up, where I went to school. And so I still have a number of friends and people that I am connected to who have lived here and they have seen the work that I've been able to do around the country. And they asked me to come home and not knowing that Bobby Rush would retire. And so now here we are looking at the state and the condition of black and brown people in the nation. And they are like, Stephanie, please, please come and do this work for Illinois first congressional district. People who are outside of Illinois across the nation when they hear of Chicago, they think, oh my God, there's so much violence and mayhem on the South Side. And there are all sorts of very complicated issues and reasons why. But where does that rank in terms of your priorities as a political candidate who would be representing Chicago's South Side? And you're right, the issues here in Chicago are extremely complex. One of the most important issues that we face is a lack of equity. That's the umbrella that is pushing all of these issues, whether it's around violence prevention. We can't do violence prevention if we're not lifting people out of poverty, right? We can't do what is necessary if we aren't doing housing stability and climate stability. So all of those things are complex and intersectional, which is why I am the perfect candidate for this district, having done work to protect voting rights, having done work to Make sure that equity is at the heart of all of the things that we are doing as a, a scholar of critical race theory, as a pastor um, who has used that in, in the streets and with activism. I'm, I'm perfect to do this work as it centers on reinvestment in Illinois' first congressional district, which is predominantly a black district. What has been the response to your candidacy and what do you see as being sort of like the crucial, I don't know, factors or the crucial attributes that will be found in the winner of this Democratic primary? Absolutely. So people on the ground are excited. I was just out the other day and um, a young man that I just met, 31 years old, he was like, first of all, thank you. Thank you for physically showing up and being here and doing your own canvassing. Because I have worked, you know, he was saying that he worked with other candidates, a, a county commissioner, and no one knew who they were. So that is going to be a factor in this race. A person that is not just of the community, but who is in the community having conversations with people on the ground, but then also understands the large, complex, not just theoretical issues that are that are constituents are facing, but the problems that we are living with every single day are experiential issues and how to structurally dismantle what inequity has built. How to come back to the table and do this work from a lens that is again, 
and lived experience. You mentioned inequity, and I know you're very strong on criminal justice reform, two important issues. A lot of Democrats also would want to know, where are you on issues like Medicare for all and the Green New Deal? I am an absolute supporter of Medicare for all. If you just look at the last two years and the impact of COVID-19, black and brown communities have died at alarming rates. Why? Because we're underinsured, we don't trust healthcare system, and we are we are literally outside of formal traditional healthcare practices. So I'm absolutely in support of Medicare for all. I'm absolutely in support of a Green New Deal on both the local as well as the federal level and making sure that communities are not living in environmental racism. I grew up literally down the street from the city dump as well as the Sharon Williams paint factory. So think about all of the toxins that went into my body because of what I was breathing in the air, what our water structure had been infiltrated by. And so yes, I'm an absolute supporter of both of those. Your district includes some of the most impoverished areas of Illinois. Is it tougher to be a progressive in a, in a place like that? No, I think this is the district that needs us the most. <laughs> Someone that is willing to, to look at what is happening and to not run from people, but to again, to be shoulder to shoulder, working with activists on the ground, working with grassroots NGOs, working with, again, people who are living this every day. My family members are living this. We talk about criminal justice reform, my family is living this. Housing stability, my family is living this right now. So no, this is exactly where we need progressives to be. You ran for a public office for Congress, I believe in Colorado years ago when you lived there. What lessons did you learn from from that race? I learned that white supremacy is never gonna run me off the street (laughs) and that any issue that is worth obtaining, anything that you want to have is worth fighting for. And so that's where I am, this is the work that I'm committed to. And my community saw what I was able to do there and asked me to come back. And you faced the white supremacy and and racism in Colorado while you were there? Absolutely, absolutely. And I will face it head on even still. What would you say to uh, to Bobby Rush, uh, the outgoing Democratic congressman who hasn't endorsed anybody yet? He's, he may. Uh, there are a lot of Democrats in the field. What would you say to him if uh, if you were talking to him right now about, hey, Congressman Rush, you need to give me the endorsement, and here's why? I would say thank you for your service. Uh, we appreciate what you have done. It is time to reinvest in. Illinois first congressional district and Dr. Stephanie Rose Falding is the candidate to move our district forward, to build on legacy, but take us to the next level. And what would you say if you had an opportunity to talk to President Biden and, and, and you had his ear in terms of priorities for your district? President Biden, it's time to see what can happen when America actually invests in the most disenfranchised in this country. We are ready to move this nation forward. What is it about the Chicago's first district other than being the home of Barack Obama as we said at the top? Is there something unique that people who are outside of Illinois, outside of Chicago may not appreciate, may not realize both in terms of the politics and also in terms of the life in Chicago's first congressional district? So yes, if you don't live here in Illinois, if you, or even if you are, you might not know the rich history and the culture that is steeped in this district. 
One, we have one of the last stops on the Underground Railroad that is literally right here in Illinois first. The Calsac Harbor was one of the last stops in the Underground Railroad. We also know that this was one of the first districts that was majority black in the country to be able to elect representatives at a time where where African Americans weren't being elected to Congress. So it's historic in that sense. And then it is also the space that we get so much political activism that has shaped the country, the the kind of work, the organizing that has come out of Chicago's uh, South Side has literally shaped the country and politics, grassroots politics across the nation. So I am excited. The people of this district deserve someone who not only knows this history, who honors the culture that is here, but is ready again to take our communities forward into the 21st century. The primary is in Illinois, June the 28th. Take us through the next couple of months and what are the sort of the keys in your estimation in terms of running a successful campaign? There is no way that this district is not gonna is going to be won without a ground game. So in order to, to win Illinois first, you have to, one has to be in relationship with the people who live here. So if one is not knocking on doors, not in conversation, not in community, they may as well keep stepping. And what do you make of some of your opponents in the Democratic primary? Again, I I don't necessarily know why their reasons for being in this race, but I do know that my community asked me to come home and they asked me to do this work. And so I am here for them. I know the kind of campaign that we are running. We are not tied to anybody's money. We are not tied to anybody else's agenda outside of the constituents of Illinois first. I was just talking with a friend of mine who was actually thinking about running for Congress out in California. And I was sort of joking with him saying, why would you wanna do this when you're looking at Republicans likely taking over control of the US House? It's no fun to be in the minority. And he just sort of laughed. Are you optimistic though about Democrats? I mean, cuz the political winds seem pretty tough right now for Democrats. I am optimistic about the people of this district and I am optimistic about black and brown voters across the nation. When I was out here organizing with Just Democracy, organizing with the King's family, um, there are people in Nevada, in Georgia, in uh, Florida, in DC who know what is at stake in this election cycle. And so I am optimistic about these individuals who are not willing to give up this democracy. There's several civil rights organizations who have declared that they don't think Joe Biden has done enough to get the voting rights legislation passed in the House and the Senate, that there's more that he could have done, more that he should have done in terms of pressuring wavering Democrats. Where do you come down on this? The voting rights legislation hasn't been passed. That's fact. (laughs) There's no way to come down. That is absolute fact. It has not been passed and black and brown voters deserve better. And, uh, and, And how do you see, I mean, if the, if, if, the, if the voting rights legislation does not get through the Congress, what then? Then we continue to organize, we continue to activate, then we will show up as candidates and we will take over Congress. 
Dr. Stephanie Rose Spaulding. She's also a pastor, author, activist, and organizer. Uh, Reverend Dr. Spaulding, thanks so much for doing this. Good luck to you. This is gonna be a fascinating race to watch. I think anybody who gets into a race that shows a certain amount of courage and you're working for the greater good. And I think that's a that's a wonderful thing. So um, so for, for people who are supporting you, for your family, for your church, congratulations to them as well for lifting you up and helping you through this. Thank you. Remarkable campaign 2022, it doesn't get any better than this. Well, that'll do it for this edition of the conversation on behalf of Asher Cofield, John Skip Vilaco, Gina Kim, and the rest of the gang at the Young Turks, I'm David Schuster. Thanks for watching.